What's up? <laughs> this is the Rule Against Podcasting. <laughs> a podcast that facially recognizes the existence of laws, but fails to discuss them with any substance. I am suffering, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host. I am running from my responsibilities. Others call me Iggy. And, you know, I've been I've been doing my uh, daily reading of the Constitution, which is the civic duty of every single American of uh, the United States. And, you well, know, the amount of constitutional specialists on Facebook, you know, everyone's reading the Constitution. Yeah, every day. exactly. And I, I was doing it. So, you know, I could, you know, also have my arguments in good faith uh, against other constitutionalists. And it, it occurred to me. You know, I was reading the amendments, which... They're the worst part of the Constitution. No, they're my favorite part. Oh, they're the worst part. Please explain why they're your favorite part. Well, no, here's the thing. We haven't had a new amendment since 1992. Yeah. That's that's like 28 years since we had yeah. an amendment. It's a long time. I know, and I, I think we should have some, some more. Okay. Which amendments should we have? I think we should add a new amendment where every American, every citizen of the United States of America on their 18th birthday gets one free bionic upgrade of their choice. Anything. So laser eyes, propulsion feet, literal bare arms, a really cool mohawk like Yondu, any of those. You get one for free on your birthday. That's to affect one body part. So it can't be your whole body. It can be wait. like feet, arms, head, one appendage. Okay, so I have a question. Would they yes. get one for every birthday, or is it like maybe once every ten years? No, on your eighteenth birthday, you can oh, only on cash it. Birthday. You can okay. only cash it in then. Okay, I could get down with that. But you have to pick one. You ha- you can't like disclaim it. You can only disclaim it if it would if it would be a a, a medical issue. Well, aren't like bionic body parts supposed to solve medical issues? Well, yeah, but you know, like if your body's not going to like. If your body's going to reject it, obviously. Yeah, I guess. And I just don't know why we can't make that amendment, because I feel like a majority of Americans would want that. Well, who's going to pay for it? The the American taxpayers. Uh, that sounds like a lot of money. No, you just tap into our military fund. Yeah, okay. I'm sure there's enough money there. There is. And here's... Because it's... You can turn it into weapons if you want, but it also applies to healthcare. And education, it will create jobs. It will stimulate the economy at by job creation and needing the parts. Please explain how it'll create jobs. Because you need to make the parts, and people need to you need to hire someone to make the parts because you'll be doing multiple operations every single day for the rest of forever. Okay, yeah, that's true. Could you all thought that you'll have to touch up parts when they break down? Oh, is that guaranteed in the amendment as well? Yeah, it's a lifetime warranty. So, like, how much can you like? How many? Do you get like regular servicing every year? Is it elective? Like what goes on with that? Uh, it's a, it's an annual checkup. And then obviously you would you would have like a, a deductible like you will with most insurance that covers up to a certain amount, but it would be equal for all, all citizens. Okay. So here's my counter proposal. Mm-hmm. I think we should have a new amendment as well. My amendment would make all the other amendments uh, void and would list five rights. That every citizen has. And they're the only five rights they get. And those rights are, you get the right to live. You get the right to own property, not to exceed $1 million in total assets. You get the right 
to travel freely within the country. You get the right. You get the right to food and water, and you get the right to housing. That's it. How how would the last two work? We would privatize grocery stores in the housing market or publicize. It. I was like, you would privatize them? No, <laughs> we would make public uh, grocery stores and housing. How is how is the public site? So would the property we have, would that be privatized then? You have public housing, but you can own private housing and yeah, property? Yeah, so if you have the means, you can own private housing. If you okay. don't, there's public housing. And those are the only five rights you get. But all the, all the, all the other rights are taken away. Yeah, we just get rid of all, all the other um, amendments are void. So no freedom of speech. Nope. You can be forced to quarter troops. Yes. You can be subject to unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, you already are. The Fourth Amendment's basically useless at that point, so we're not really missing anything. But it would just not exist. Yeah, but I mean, nothing would really change in practice. There are, there. you can be punished by cruel and unusual punishment. Well, the United States already does that, so. You can be elected president more than twice. I see the problem with that. You can own slaves. No, because the only, here, here's the thing. You can deny someone's right you, to vote on the basis of their sex. Iggy, you are misconstruing the idea that if. No, you I literally said void, no, no, no. five rights, Iggy, you take away all the other ones. You get five rights, but that doesn't mean if we take away the, the bill, like the amendment that says don't do this thing, that doesn't mean you suddenly can't do the thing. Like you only get the five rights listed. That's it. But that would mean all the other rights listed in the Constitution. No, it doesn't. Well, no, because you're saying we only get those five rights and nothing else. Yeah. So that means. So it's like none of the other amendments exist. So you're saying the states get to decide. No, no more states' rights. So then it's just the five rights and nothing else. Yeah. Which means all the other amendments don't mean jack shit. Right, but that doesn't mean you can own slaves because it's not one of the five rights. It doesn't mean you can't own them. No, it does, because the amendment would... Spe- no, no, no. This, the amendment specifically says you get only the five rights listed. It's an exclusive list. And so you, so you only get those things? Yes. So you can't vote? Yes. You can't purchase anything besides property? Yes. Okay. I feel like does there's that a lot... Of, sense there's a, I, I feel like there's a lot of problems with that. But at the same time, we wouldn't have to deal with idiots on Facebook complaining about the rights they think they have. But now who decides what isn't and isn't acceptable for speech? Well, speech isn't a right. Exactly. So who decides what I can and can't say now? Government. And who elects the government officials now? No one. Democracy's for the birds. So then who, who, does, who rules the government? <laughs> who oversees it? Um, no one. So then no one decides what I can and can't say? Yes. So what you're saying is not that there is no freedom of speech. It says that there's no one to enforce it. There's no one to speak out against, that's for sure. Except, like, your your neighbors. Well, right, but your First Amendment rights aren't guaranteed against private citizens. It's against the government. Which that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. So there's no point in having a Bill of Rights if there's no government. So what you're just yeah, saying exactly. is so that... we're just getting rid of extraneous laws. <laughs> so how do you publicize housing if there's no one to run it? Do you just, like, stake down a flag and you're like, hey, this is mine now? We all just have to promise to be real cool about it. And we'll just sort it out individually i think this past year shows we can't just be all cool about it that's probably true but i think if we try real hard we might be able to do it i think 
what we should do instead of taking away rights, we should just be very much more specific within the confines of the Constitution when we write stuff down. You'd be surprised at how hard it is to write a very specific law. Well, yeah, because it's like basically these readings are we decide it's written by genies when we interpret it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to write a law that foresees all potential consequences. Yes, that's why our lawmakers need to all be psychic. Or we just don't have law in the first place. Then it's not a problem. No. Yeah, because that now what no, you're saying is a band-aid. Is Wait, legal. No, what you're saying. No, there is no law. There is no legal or illegal. There's just no law. Which means everything is allowed and no one can get punished for it except by another person. Which you mean you're saying everyone think, you're saying everyone is dog bounty hunter, the punisher, and yet also <laughs> all the criminals grafting, at the same time. You're grafting legal concepts onto an illegal system. No, what you're saying is I can go out, I can set arson to a building murder a bunch of people and the only people who can stop me are the people who give shits and have the means to do so yeah but no one can hold me accountable because it's like oh no yeah one's in people charge. can hold you accountable but yeah but only the people who have the means to do so because there's there's no over there's no ruling body to decide what is and isn't okay yeah you're saying you want to truly just total anarchy but here's the thing most people aren't going to choose to do that because of the fear of retaliation no, no, because see, here's the thing. People still choose to do it now, even with the fear of retaliation. What you're doing is and that then, you're making that fear of retaliation almost non-existent. I don't, I don't think so. All I'm saying is that if this ever happened, I'd bug out to the wilderness, so. Again, Not again, my problem. I have to point out to you, there is nothing stopping you from bugging out to the wilderness at any second of your life right now. Oh, every day I go closer. You can, you can go full Ted Kaczynski with or without the bombs at whatever point you want. Uh, I'd like to make clear that I do not have any plans to bomb anything, just just on the record. That's um, I said with or without. I'm just going to make my position clear. Um, just like I like to go on the record that none of those arsons were committed by me. Yeah, I'm not going to go Unabomber. I just want to be a hermit. In your society, anyone can be literally whatever they want because there's nothing stopping them. Yeah, that's why my society would be dope. No, because your society is survival of the strongest. Isn't that what society already is? Yeah, but yours is more of like a like a like a physical means. That's or, true. Because there's no there's I no regu- take, there's I, no regulations. If anything, the corporations in in your society would be even more powerful. Well, there'd be no money, so corporations wouldn't exist. Well, th- you're you're implying that people would just stop using the dollar value that they've already lived with for so long. Well, if it's worthless, yeah, there would be a fallout. It wouldn't just go immediately to worthless, and everyone's like, "All right, well, I guess we're not using the dollar anymore." Yeah, there'd be like a five-year period where things would be really bad, and then it would yeah. stabilize. And Jeff Bezos would become king of your new society and go all Andrew Ryan on everyone's ass. No, here's the thing. We got to take Bezos out first. That's that's kind of the... It, it's the hinge of the plan. Okay, so we have to go trust-busting. If by trust-busting, you mean breaking and entering into Jeff Bezos' home and stealing him, Yes. We're going to steal, we have to steal a lot of CEOs. I mean, he's kind of short. It wouldn't be that hard. There's a lot of CEOs we'll have to kidnap. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know right now if we have the rights to do so. Because like I said, like I said, I've been doing my daily reading of the constitution and there is no word that says I can kidnap another person. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an easy argument to make that you couldn't do that. But is there an argument somewhere in there that I could? No. Is there any way you can you can read the Constitution in a way 
that doesn't say I can't kidnap someone. Do you use the double negative? Hold on. So you're saying it'd be easy to argue that I'm not allowed to kidnap someone. Yes. Is there any way to read it in which I am allowed? Or it doesn't explicitly say that I can't do that. It doesn't say well, I can, but I'm saying, does it say I, does it explicitly say I can't? Let me pull out my handy dandy constitution here. It's not persuasive, but you could use the preamble. Which is, we the people of the United States, in order to form a perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, that's not persuasive. Like, you can't really cite that. But it does suggest that you shouldn't be kidnapping people. Well, it doesn't... Chris, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you here, and you're not helping me help you. I don't want to be helped. That's the problem. I, well, I'm trying to help you help yourself. Because you're the one saying we need to steal Jeff Bezos, so I'm asking you to find a way in which you can do that legally. Oh, there's no way we could legally enter my system of governing. It would have to be through force. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that, um, in that case, let's just do a really bad segue into today's topic, which is extratextual rights, which I guess would not be kidnapping in this case. Yeah, um... No, kidnapping is not a right I think you could find in the Constitution. But it doesn't specifically say you can't kidnap people in the Constitution. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Right, but it, you can't do it. Um, it's, that's, a, that, that's something that dates back before. That, that's a tort. <laughs> but yes, we are going to talk about uh, implicit unenumerated or extra textual rights which are so the constitution doesn't say a lot of things that people think it says they think they have a lot of rights that the constitution doesn't actually give them fun fact i like to think i like to think when you're reading the constitution you have to read it in the way that your english teacher is asking you to write a 3000 word essay on it and so you just you interpret it in ways that may or may not be 100% correct well, that's what the Supreme Court is. The Supreme Court is basically just a fanfic writer for the Constitution. They're making their own headcanon of what the Constitution is, if that makes sense. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. So hold, hold on. I'm holding. <laughs> what? I I looked up um, Supreme Court fan fiction. Oh God! <laughs> Did you find something? Uh, there's one called Family Image that has the tag Ruth, Gator ben Ginsburg, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh no, this work has adult content. I don't like that. Oh my. That, right. um, I don't want to know. No, I can't. I would be doing a disservice to everyone if I shared the words that are in this. Well, I guess you have to then. No, I don't. I don't want to. There's so many things wrong. There's so many things. I kind of want you to read it now. Are we allowed to? Is that is that allowed? <laughs> it depends on what's in it. Here's the summary. Yeah. Jane isn't maintaining the Ginsburg family image. Ruth shows her daughter how's it, how, how it's done. Rating. Mature. Additional tags. Mother-daughter relationship. Cool mom. And U.S. Supreme Court. Jane stomped the crop. What? Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter is an expert in copyright law. She teaches at Columbia. What's her daughter's name? I don't remember. I want to know if this author did their research. 
I think it's Jane. Yeah, Jane did the research. Okay, they did do the research. Okay. Jane stomped across the room, throwing her cigarette butt into the garbage. You're such a fascist, Mom. Ruth Bader Ginsburg oh, sighed no. and shook her head, but otherwise didn't react to the outburst. Jane continued. Just because you're such a stick in the mud, all work, no play, calm and measured person doesn't mean you need to ruin my life. I'm 17. I just want to have fun. I wanted to stop now. Ruth had been Jane's mother for a long time now, and she'd always chosen to treat her daughter with the same respect and diplomacy that she gave her fellow members of the court. However, as Jane continued to yell, Ruth felt compelled to try a different approach. Jane was red-faced and screaming of the injustices of youth when Ruth cut her off sharply. Jane, listen. Listen to me. Her voice was loud enough to shock Jane into silence. What exactly, Jane, do you think is unfair about my roots? Do you think my rules are unreasonable? Do you think the parents of your other friends will let you off easier? Do you think you have the fundamental right to answer to no one while you're a minor living in my house and subsisting off my income? She breathed, looking to Jane for an answer. But Jane was starting to look ashamed. Okay, Jane, let's talk this through rationally. So you want to be allowed to smoke? Isn't that right? Jane pouted. Yes, Mom. I really don't think it's such a bad thing. Lots of my friends do it. Plenty of my teachers, too. You even used to smoke. Ruth let out a low, sinister laugh. Yes, Jane, dear. I used to smoke. I used to. That's what you think and what your father thinks, what all my colleagues think. And why do they think that? It's because I know the power of image. I understand that who I am is less important than who people think I am. I know that in order to get ahead, you have to look the part. Jane had the presence of mind to take a step back. Her tiny mother was towering over her, seemed to grow larger with each word. Oh, Jane. Jane, do you think I'm a virtuous, moderate, sweet woman? If you think that, you're as gullible as every man who makes the laws in this country. I drink. Jane cowered. I love to fuck. Jane gasped. <laughs> no! I hate it. I hate the conservative ashwife with whom I share the bench. Jane's eyes were as wide as saucers and her mouth was ga- hanging open. So, my it's dear. Shush, shush. I'm almost there. I'm almost at the end. Okay. So, my dear. When I tell you to put out your goddamn cigarette, I mean that if you can't hide it from your mother, then you have no business smoking at all. Until you can keep your secrets, you don't deserve to have any. And with a flourish, a pack of Virginia Slims appeared in Ruth's hands, and she shook one out. Have a light, dear? Jane nodded slowly and pulled out her dick. Mom, when you said you like to, uh, to fuck? Jane nodded, a disbelieving look plastered to her face. You do mean daddy, right? Ruth turned a sweet smile on her eldest daughter. Jane, what a thing to ask your mother. I'm sure I'll wait until you're an adult to discuss the intricacies of my sexuality with you. Jane nodded thoughtfully, feeling a bit relieved that a measure of her normal mom had come back. Can I have a puff? Ruth turned. She looked her daughter up and down. Will you tell daddy if I give you one? No, ma'am. Ruth let out a delighted laugh. Good girl, here you are, dear. Jane took a puff, letting the calming nicotine rush through her. She tried not to stare. I'm at the. I'm on the last paragraph. She tried not to stare at her mother, but her eyes kept being drawn back. She'd known objectively that her mother was amazing, but suddenly she was filled with a new, realer admiration, and more than that, respect. She wouldn't be telling anyone right away, but her mother was well, cool. That that's it for now. I I hate that. You told me to read. You told me to read it. I was wrong. I can admit my mistakes. This person only has, this author only has two works, uh, one from 2018 
about Sherlock Holmes and John Watson, and then this Ruth Bader Ginsburg one. Yeah, that's that's really bad. I don't like that. Back to the episode. Iggy, how do we justify new rights in the Constitution? Um, well, after reading that fan fiction, I feel like, I think I'm switching sides to agree with you, words. we need to take away rights. That's what I've been saying all along. So I think it's hard to justify new rights, but I guess the justification would be uh, when there is enough grounds to show there is a right that is deserved to be had that does not exist currently in writing in some capacity. Yeah, that's like pretty close to one of the perspectives you could take. So there's basically two perspectives you could take when you're finding unenumerated rights. Well, there's technically three total perspectives because one of them would be that there are no unenumerated rights. We are just literally reading the Constitution for what it says. But that's boring and we don't want to do that. What you're alluding to is the idea that the Constitution is a living document. It's living constitutionalism, which says that over time, society changes. There's no way the Founding Fathers could have predicted what was going to happen 200 plus years in the future of our country. And so we need to be able... Unless they were psychic. That's true. Um, So we need to be able to come up with new rights as needed, you know, so certain instances of that are like the invention of the car. It doesn't say in the Constitution that you are allowed to drive a car, but you can. Like interstate highways could also have an effect on commerce. And so the government would be able to control, to regulate uh, interstate highway travel because it affects commerce through the Commerce Clause. So that kind of that's kind of the justification. It, it's, it's not an explicit thing, but it's we're using... We're kind of extrapolating from powers of the federal government in Section 8 of Article 1, which isn't totally. So we're talking about coming up with rights that have that aren't even that are, that have like no technically no basis in the Constitution. Things like the right to an abortion, the right to marry whoever you would like, you know, those kinds of things. That's not in the Constitution. So how do we find it? So the other perspective, it's a bit more of a conservative perspective, is that at its core, America has a base set of standards and values as part of our history that doesn't change throughout time. And so when we find new rights, they're just an extension of that core of what is our country. That's another way of looking at it. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's out there. Now, Iggy, can you take a wild guess which amendment do we get a lot of rights from is the justification? The fifth. Mm -hmm. Close. The 14th. Fifth is technically part of it. Yeah, 14th Amendment. Because the 14th Amendment... I thought you were talking about the OG Amendment. You mean the Bill of Rights? Yeah. No. The first 10. So the 14th Amendment has some interesting stuff in it. It says, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. That was an explicit overturning of um, Dred Scott, which stated that African-Americans were not citizens of the United States. Uh, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Three different clauses there, privileges and immunities clause, due process clause, and equal protection clause. So those clauses are the ones we're going to use to find extratextual rights. Well, one of them we can't use anymore. And that's because of the slaughterhouse cases at the turn of the 20th century. Before we get to the slaughterhouse, yes. I think it'd be important that we let our audience have a quick break 
after being exposed to so many things that are damaging to their own psyche. Okay. I say, relax, get a drink, and we let our partners, you know, talk in the mid-segment about the stuff they want to talk about. So we'll, we'll cut to them. Bye. Uh, thank you, Iggy and Chris. This is Ian with uh, your favorite Channel 5 news segments, uh, Primetime Primetime. And today we will be talking about, once again, you know him, you love him, Florida Man. Christopher, are you there? Yeah. All right. You love Florida Man, don't you? No. No? Well, we're going to talk about him anyway, you goofball. This Florida okay. man in particular is currently on the lam after proposing to one girlfriend with the stolen jewelry of another girlfriend of his. Because it's Valentine's Day, love in the air, people do silly things. Anyway, this man who goes under the aliases of both Marcus Brown and Joe Brown was caught when uh, his girlfriend in Orange City, Florida, saw a picture of his uh, other fiance wearing a wedding ring that looked a lot like the one she owned. Upon inspecting her jewelry box, she discovered that that ring, an engagement ring, and about $6,000 worth of jewelry total had been taken. Upon reaching out to the other woman, she discovered that that woman as well has been duped by Mr. Brown. Upon reaching out to a, a relative of his in North Carolina, they actually discovered his real name and identity, but have not been able to find him since. So that just goes to show you that if you're going to date multiple people, do not propose to them with the same jewelry that the other one has. Fun fact, if you got married to both of them, the second of the two marriages would be void because that's bigamy and it's against the law. But the first one would be A-OK. It would be. Let's go to Robin with the weather. There's a cold front coming through this week, so make sure you stay warm and have at least 10 candles on hand. You never know when you'll run out, so you have to be prepared. I personally think that the holy trinity of candles is, um, they're all apple-scented. Body Works, we have Spiced Apple Toddy. It's available in the wintertime. Garden Sage Apple, I think it's called, available right now. Go get it. And Apple Weather, which is a fall scent. Um... I think that Garden Sage Apple and Apple Weather could possibly be the same candle, um, but I haven't sniffed them enough to be sure. They're all apple scented, as I said, and it reminds me of an apple pie, kind of, and a fall. So that's why they're great. Uh, I'm getting uh, um, uh, I'm getting a note from the network. Uh, Robin, could you talk about the potential tornado that is set to hit the downtown area? No. <laughs> Uh, the network the network insists that you tell the audience about the tornado that is about to hit the area. Yeah, okay. So I think that you should all get to a safe space and make sure you bring 20 candles with you into a closet downstairs. Go hide, get your candles. The power will probably go out, so you need every candle in your house lit. Um, hopefully you don't catch fire because, um, you know, that is a lot of candles. But when the power goes out because of the tornado, you got to make sure that it smells good in there because it's kind of cramped and tight. And you got to make sure that you can see because what happens if the tornado just goes through and takes the power lines out? You need to be able to see what you're working with in that closet. So um, I, again, recommend that you take an apple scented candle, but 
Um, really, as long as you get right now, it's winter. So get a winter scented candle. Um, I think you're good. Now, uh, Robin, what is the best candle scent for uh, to deter tornadoes? To deter tornadoes? Yes. Okay, so I think you're going to need a kitchen lemon. I think that, you know, it's bold, it's strong, it's a little bit sweet. So, you know, it's too sweet for a tornado. So they're going to say, oh, nope, get out of here. Avoid that house. So I think, I think that's the way to go. Thanks, Robin. Now, before we get back to your podcast, my friends there just wanted me to tell you that if you like them, if you like me, which I know you do, be sure to, you know, tell your friends about us, uh, have them give us a listen. And, you know, follow us on the social media sites. That's The Rule Against Podcast, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and The Rule Against on Twitter. You can always email us as well at Podcasting at gmail.com. We'll take your questions. Uh, we'll take your comments. We'll read them live here. And you'll be, well, not famous, but known to the other few people who listen to this podcast. Christopher, any last words before we cut back to our friends in the podcast world? Please talk to us. <laughs> You, you kidder. All right, this is Channel 5 News, always live at Channel 5. Man, Chris, I, lo- I love that guy's voice. He's always just so chipper. He doesn't, he doesn't weird, he doesn't read like weird fan fiction like we do. He gives me a bad vibe. <sighs> you just haven't talked to him, I guess. Uh, but anyway, since we're on such a cheery mood, let's let's go back to your uh, your uh, slaughterhouse discussion. Yeah. So basically, these cases uh, made the privileges and immunities clause of the Fourteenth Amendment useless. And so, what they held essentially is that the Fourteenth Amendment privileges and immunities clause only applies to the federal government; does not apply to state governments. So, kind of out of luck in terms of creating broad rights. Uh, a lot of people largely consider it a misreading of the 14th Amendment. Um, and yeah, that's why the Privileges and Immunities Clause doesn't do anything anymore. And what exactly, I'm not sure if you, if you explain this and I just, I misinterpreted because I'm, I'm a dummy and that's why I'm on this podcast so you can explain it to dummies like me. What is the Privileges and Immunities Clause in the first place? It's the clause in the Fourteenth Amendment. I read it to you. Yeah, but that made my or head. Shall, uh, that's made my head. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. But what is basically it? says, yeah, that states cannot deprive you of the like rights guaranteed by the United States government. In the slaughterhouse cases say that that only applies to the federal government, so the case. State governments can't, like, abuse it. Yeah, which is a really bad misreading of the 14th Amendment, if you ask me. Because it's very clearly says states. Well, maybe they meant state, like, as in states of matter. Yeah, and they also construed the 14th Amendment to really only apply to, like, granting equality to former slaves instead of applying to all Americans, which is a very narrow reading of the amendment. What's What's the background of the slaughterhouse cases anyways because you can't just say slaughterhouse case and say what it did and not explain the background of the word slaughterhouse case 
Yeah, it, it's not as exciting as it sounds. Um, basically, Louisiana passed a law um, that gave a monopoly to a slaughterhouse in New Orleans. So they received this charter to be able to run a slaughterhouse downstream from the city. Uh, no one else was allowed to slaughter animals for the next 25 years within that area. And all existing slaughterhouses were closed. So a group of butchers got together and they were like, okay, that's messed up. Okay, so like, so like it wasn't even, it was like an explicit monopoly they were legalizing. Yeah, it was, it was a monopoly. It'd be like um, if, if McDonald's went to like the Ohio courts and it was like, we want to be the only restaurant allowed to sell food in Columbus. And they're like, sure, all your restaurants closed down now. McDonald's is the only restaurant serving people. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like that. Um, so they sued. And they were like, well, this is a bridges the privileges and immunities clause. We're being denied the right to work our trade. And the Supreme Court was like, nah. Wait, the Supreme Court agreed that the monopoly was fine? Well, they just said that the 14th Amendment privileges and immunities clause only applies to the federal government. State governments can screw you over however it wants. So did they... Ch- so really, they it was a really poorly decided case. Most people agree. Should with that. they have just like tried to go for a different like legal aspect to go after instead of the Fourteenth Amendment in that case? Uh, well, they used the Thirteenth Amendment too, and they said no, that doesn't work either. When when what year was this? This was yeah, eighteen seventy three, just after the Civil War. Okay, but before they got and saw the taking down monopolies and trust. I'm pretty sure it's the first like substantial Fourteenth Amendment case. Yeah, these, this case was uh, largely considered bad, but it's still good law today. So, Are there any other cases that have to do with extratextual rights? Oh, there are so many. Um, Give us the important But basically, ones. we had to find a different way to deal with this. Give us, so we turn to... Give us ones from Connecticut. Well, hold on. We got to turn to the due process clause. Ugh. And yeah, I know. And uh, what's the other one? Shit. Hold on. I don't think the what's the other one? Oh, shit. Clause is an actual clause. Would be if I was in charge. The equal protection clause. My bad. Yeah. So we got to turn to those two. So first case we're going to talk about that kind of deals with. It was the first in a line of cases that kind of where the court kind of talks about how we find these extra textual rights. And that was Palco v. Connecticut. So in this case. Guy was convicted of first-degree murder because he killed two police officers after he stole something. He was convicted, tried. Uh, he got second-degree murder instead. So the government, Connecticut, um, appealed for a new trial, won, and convinced uh, and convicted him of first-degree with the death, death sentence. And basically his argument was this violated his double jeopardy rights. So double jeopardy is, uh, which basically says he can't be convicted of the same cr- crime twice. But again, that's federal government, right? So his argument was that through the 14th Amendment Due Process Clause, double jeopardy, the right against double jeopardy is conferred to him against the state government in which he resides as well. That was his argument. Uh, And the court upheld his second conviction, holding that the 14th Amendment Due Process Clause only applies to fundamental rights or when those rights are implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. You make you sometimes make this hard for me to make stuff somewhat funny. No, the law is not funny. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, this case was explicitly overruled in 1969, Benton v. Maryland, which brought back our ideas of double jeopardy. 
Yeah, you, so they basically said, you know what, we decided this case wrong. Double jeopardy applies against state governments as well. So, But what's important about this case is this idea that if you're looking at 14th Amendment Due Process Clause, it only applies to fundamental rights, so the rights listed in the Constitution, or those rights that are implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, which is a lot of words that don't really mean anything. Do you have like a another case about implicit rights that might be less morose and more funny? I do, and this is the beginning of the, the era of the court where we see an expansion of rights. Oh, that's good. For U.S. citizens. That's good. Because um, remember, Ben v. Maryland, the case that overturned it, was 1969. So this case nice. we're going to look at next is Griswold v. Connecticut, very famous, 1965. And this dealt with a Connecticut law that banned contraception. So you can give it, you can give advice, anything. The youths having the sex. Yeah, they were just trying to discourage people from having sex outside of marriage or non-procreative sex. Yep, and I'm sure this definitely um, led to a decrease. In- no, it didn't. But a Yale law, uh, law school, a Yale um, school of medicine what? professor opened a birth control clinic in partnership with Planned Parenthood. State of Connecticut found out, arrested both of them, and convicted them of violating the law. So they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, our first win of the day, said the right of privacy is an implicit right derived from several other amendments, the first, the third, the fourth, and the ninth. So Douglas said that the rights guaranteed in the Bill of Rights in the other amendments create shadows in which we find implicit rights. They cast shadows in which we find implicit rights. That's what the idea of penumbra of rights means. That sounds like some kind of like edgy name for like a band you would see in like a disney high school it very well could be um so basically the best way to explain this is the first amendment as we all know gives you the right to um speech press religion etc protest yeah third amendment is um you don't have to quarter soldiers in your home fourth amendment searches and seizures then ninth amendment's kind of your catch-all None of those explicitly say you have a right to privacy, but you necessarily have to have a right of privacy to have those. It, it exists on the fringes of those rights. Is like, well, yeah, if we have a right to not quarter people in our home, to be able to say things, to practice our own religion, to not have people, not have the government come into our home and seize our property, then yeah, of course we have a right to privacy. So that's where they were, that's the way they found implicit rights. So this court took the second perspective I, we talked about at the beginning of this discussion. And the quote is, a right must be deeply rooted in the history and tradition of the country for it to be recognized as an implicit right. So they're taking this idea that America has a core set of values and traditions that have existed throughout history, and that's where we find implicit rights. Does that make sense? Yes. And they said the right of privacy... That is one of those deeply rooted in our tradition. Now, taking all this knowledge we have now. Yes. Do you think there is some implicit right, a, a penumbra of rights, if you will, that would allow people to get robotic augmentations for their 18th birthday? Under the justification of Griswold, no. If you just look at if we just talk about Griswold, there is not. 
because there's not a deeply rooted right to have cybernetic altercation, like alternate alterations. Well, see, see, um, see, you're looking at at cybernetic alterations, which is which is far too specific because that we obviously wouldn't know about cybernetics in the 1700s when we wrote the Constitution. Okay, how would you describe it? I see it as a right to autonomy with your own body. Okay, because you are making changes to it. Yeah, which is which is I would say is a is an implicit right within the Constitution. You can't take away rights that someone decides for themselves. Well, I would say under your vague right that that's the right to be able to get it, not that the government has to give it to you. You see the distinction? Yes, but I want to find a way to make an argument for this. Okay, you think about that. So, well, let, let's think about what the government does provide for its citizens. Okay. Not a lot. Um, no, they give you the right. They much. give you the right to do stuff. Certain things, yeah. That's about it. Yes. Well, if there's anything to take away from this episode, as we're nearing our our, our time limit, it's that maybe it is the time for a reset to to rewrite, redo the found the foundational document of our government of our country because it's 2021 and we still don't have the rights. For the government to provide us free robotic augmentations when we become adults in the eyes of the law. So I think if anything, going to that fan fiction, we have far too many rights. Which is why we need a restructuring on what rights we take away and what rights we now provide. I agree. So fan fiction now has to be approved by a board. But no, just no fan fiction. Well, some fan fiction. No, zero. Some fan fiction, fiction, which will be overseen by moderators. And in exchange, the government shall provide free robotic augmentations on your birthday. Now here, only one person's allowed to make fan fiction, and it's R.L. Stein. How about... There could, we do what Louisiana did in the Slaughterhouse cases. Here, hold on, hold on. I got an idea for it. We have yeah. we have a National Poet Laureate, right? Yeah. What if we have a National Fan Fiction Laureate? And they're the only ones allowed to write fan fiction. Yeah, I, could get, I can get on board with that. And it starts with Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Okay. So whoever writes her erotic friend fiction... They get to start be the first one, and when they decide, they can pass it along to the next person. I think it should be a competition every time we have to replace them, though. Okay, competition, but whoever is the current one gets to decide the next one from the competition, and it can be it can be okay. vetoed by by a board of five with a unanimous vote, just in case. You're asking a lot. I know, but we have to have the best of the best for the fan fiction. Okay, yeah, and I think everything else can kind of be you know. Other people can figure out. We got the fan fiction. We got the robots. I don't think you really need. I don't care about the other parts. So we'll let the experts figure that out. And that's going to be the episode for us. So, Chris, do you have any anything you want to add before we close out? Don't kidnap people. Well, that's a weird thing to say when you recommended doing that earlier in this episode. I said we should, but I'm telling you not to. Okay, got it. Do, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. That was the Rule Against Podcasting. I hope you learned something. Because we explicitly told you, not implicitly, explicitly told you, do not kidnap people. And there is some other stuff in there if you want to know about the Constitution or whatever. I don't care. If you like us, give us a rating, give us a review. Just do do something and just listen to it, I guess. That's the bare minimum. Um, or tell one friend. I don't care. We just want other people to join in our shenanigans with us. So we can start our own revolution. I just want friends. We want friends and we want to kidnap Jeff Bezos. Is that too much to ask for? Very simple desires.